You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Vital breath, vital breath, teach me how to pray. And really it is us as a church taking the time in January to put a fire under our devotional life. To, to turn up the spiritual temperature in our lives with intention, with faith, with purpose. And Abby brilliantly read for us the Lord's Prayer in the middle of our praise and worship today. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be breaking down that prayer and looking at different um, types of prayer. We're going to look at the prayer of surrender. We're going to look at the prayer of praise. But today, I want to speak to you just from that little phrase. She read it in the message and it said, As above, so below. You may be more familiar with the NIV where it says, On earth, as it is in heaven. Today, we're going to speak about the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. So let's take a moment. I'm going to invite you to take your, your right hand and just put it like on your chest where your heart is. And we're going to pray a prayer of commitment that in the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes that God actually speaks to us in a life-changing, mentality-shifting, language, uh, reinventing way. I don't know about you, I've been going to church since I was born. And I do not want to go to church every week and then go home the same. I want to go away changed. So let's make that our prayer as we go into today's message. Father, we, we put our hearts before you like an, like an offering. And we say, have your way in our hearts. Would you speak to us? about the fabric of our lives in a tangible way, in a measurable way that we can make changes, we can, um, we can position ourselves better, we can commit ourselves deeper, we can give and serve and love and be everything that you've destined us to be. And so God, we pray that whatever it takes, we'll do it so that you can speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, before you take your seat, you know, in, earlier in the service, uh, we said, turn around, high five someone. Go to the person that you ignored in that moment. Apologize, high five them, and then sit down. All right, there you go, there you go, there you go. Fantastic. Why don't we thank the, the worship team? They've helped us so well, just doing brilliant today. Well, uh, what's your name, drummer? I forget, sorry. Chris. Chris is such a great drummer. I feel like he's just like, yeah, he's a great drummer. But I feel like he drums in a way that's like a little bit like a challenge. Because he hits them so hard, he's like, come on then. See if you can get louder than me. And I'm like side of stage going, you are, you are, you are. I'm like singing myself hoarse back there, trying to like, I'm going to meet you, bro. I'm going to raise you. I see your toms and I raise you my sore throat. All right. So vital breath. We're talking about prayer. And today, as I said, I want to talk to you about the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. 
Have you ever watched a life hack tutorial on social media, YouTube or whatever, and then had a go and it not worked? Anyone? Come on now. Just get, yeah, there's a few people who are like, yep, yeah, I'm a YouTube junkie. I've seen that life hack and I've tried it and it doesn't work. Well, I, 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 um, uh, Pastor Glenn was speaking last week and I know that you had him on video last week, but his message for the last two weeks was called God Works. Come on, say it with us. God Works. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things. Say it. God Works. But um, a, bit like, a bit like me in my life hack, sometimes I'm, I'm saying it with my mouth, like God works, this is going to work. But like my heart is going, it's not working. <laughs> and it's like that gap, right, between the two. I, I've been working on my house, kind of self-taught slash taught by my brother. Uh, my older brother is here today. You, you know my brother, hold on, hold on. You know my brother as Keith, my younger brother, and uh, and he's great. But the best read is actually our older brother. And you guys don't know him. This is Richard. Give him, a, give him a welcome to Audacious. Chester. He's like better looking, thinner. Like he's got more money. He's like the guy's just like, he's like the best of me and Keith in one person. You should hang out with him. Don't be our friends. We're lame. He's great. Um, but my younger brother, he's been teaching me some of the DIY skills. I've been working on my house. And one of the things that I just cannot get right is silicon. Silicon, you have it like in a tube with a nozzle and a gun. I mean, it, like I look the part, you know, hang the, the silicon gun on my belt, you know, and kind of like mooch about how. But when it comes to actually, you know, sort of doing the bead of silicon, and then you have to do, give me a, a holler if you know what I'm talking about, you have to smooth out the bead. How hard is that? Okay, just me then. Okay, no problem. But like my wife, my wife, as, as, how can I say this in a kind way, has, has, um, has an eye for detail, right? She appreciates things done well and not my siliconing. Let, let me just say that. But like recently I watched this tutorial, this life hack, and it was like the, you, this one trick, this is gonna teach you how to silicon and the shower tray needed re-siliconing. And I'm like, babe, I've watched a tutorial. I know how to do it. She's like, no, we need to get someone in. I'm like, you don't get someone in to do siliconing, that's just like embarrassing. It's like such a small job. It's like, yeah, I need a professional to do this for five minutes. Uh, so I, I watched the tutorial, I was up for it, I was ready, I had my gun, I had my little spray bottle, and like, I'll tell you the secret afterwards. Well, I won't because it doesn't work. Uh, I just told, told you the punchline. Did my bead, sprayed it with the magic liquid, sprayed my fingers, and was like, in Jesus' name, Wipe and it just went everywhere. It's on the tiles, it's on the shower tray. She's like, How's it going? Fine, it's fine, it's fine. You can't have a shower ever again. Um, but how frustrating is it when something doesn't work? Like, I'm not taken away from Romans chapter 8 28, like, like, like we. 28, is that right? Yeah, Romans 8, 28. Like, I'm not, I'm not, this is not the rebuttal of Pastor Glynn's message. But like, what about when it doesn't work? I'm like, when we, the preaching team at Audacious Church, we get together and we plan these series. It's almost like in most series, there's a week on when it doesn't work. We did the family series last year and we had a whole week on when family goes wrong. We did the a finance series, your relationship with finance. And we had a week on when finance doesn't go your way. And I'm like the guy they wheel out at that moment. At that moment, it's like, this guy's the expert at when things get totally cocked up. So we'll just kind of, we'll just wheel him out. 
And so I'm starting the prayer series, right, Vital Breath, on what do you do when it doesn't work? What do you do when it doesn't work? When heaven is silent, when things get worse. You ever prayed and it goes in the wrong direction? You're like, are you, uh, with respect, can you hear me? It seems to be going in the opposite direction. I wanted a breakthrough in finance and I'm more overdrawn than when I started. You know what I'm saying? It gets worse. The, the words of the Lord's Prayer, as above, so below, as Abby brilliantly read, or in the NIV, what do you do when on earth, right, seems a million miles away from what we picture in heaven to be like? Well, I'll tell you what we do. That requires a different kind of prayer. It requires a different perspective. And I want to show you today how it requires of us to have a 3D a three-dimensional prayer life or a devotional life, your life with God. You see, we get into the habit of praying for results and that becomes our devotional life. It's like the slot machine, Father Christmas God is just like not what it's supposed to be like. We need another dimension because if it's just about results, then we're missing something. No place is this illustrated better than in the Bible story or the account of Job. Job, J-O-B, looks like Job, right? The story of Job is literally a, 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 a recorded um, account of what you've experienced at least once, if not more than once, and maybe right in the middle of right now, I don't know, of like, when everything goes wrong and you pray and it gets worse. Now, in the chronology of the Bible, the story of Job happens really early on. I know that the book of Job is right in the middle near Psalms, but actually it takes place around Genesis 11, 12, the scholars say. Not I, because I'm not a scholar, but I read that, you know, Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel where, where they build this huge tower, but because their motive is wrong, the Bible says they're trying to make a name for themselves, so it's not to glorify God. God's not afraid of, of like big or, or massive. He's not a downer on that, but because they're doing it for their name, the Bible says God comes down and he, he confuses their language and really disperses them all over the earth. And so they're scattered all over the earth and that's where this story happens. Job chapter one says this, Job was a man who lived in us, us, not us, us. He was honest inside and out, a man of his word who was totally devoted to God and hated evil with a passion. Then it goes on and there's a, in the message it titles this next section in verse six onwards as the first test. It says in verse six, one day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, capital D, capital A, it's like his title, he came along with them and God singled out Satan and he said, what have you been up to? And Satan answered God, well, you know, going here and there, checking things out on earth. And God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him. He's honest and true to his word, totally devoted to me, and he hates evil. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Satan. That, I added that bit. It's what we call the PRV, the Paul Reed version. Satan retorted, so do you think Job does all this out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why? No one ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet. 
make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. What do you think would happen if you reached down and took away everything that is his? He'd curse you right to your face for sure. That's what. Now, if that's where the book of Job ended, that would be like, oh, that's a good, interesting conversation with God and the devil. But then verse 12 makes the next 42 chapters a reality because God replied, we'll see, go ahead. Go ahead. If I was Job, fly on the wall, I'd be like, <laughs> what? What do you mean, go ahead? Go ahead, do what you want with all that is his. And I'm not kidding, guys. What happens next is nothing short of a tragedy. I'm talking soap opera. No, no, no. I'm talking Shakespearean level carnage in this guy's life. Job loses everything. Wealth, health, family, friends. The fabric of his very life is literally disintegrated before his eyes. And the next 41 chapters... And not an account of that because that takes place in just a few verses, just like a casual drop in. Then all Job's children died and all his businesses failed and all lost all his money and his wife left him and he got boils on his skin. And he just sat there in rubbish, scratching his skin with a piece of stone. Like literally just casually drops in. But then the next 41 chapters is not so much what happened to him, but it is a record of Job's prayer. It's like... God, chapter after chapter of him crying out to God. And then there's other chapters where his friends come around him and cry out to him. And then he, in other chapters, cries out back to them. And then there's chapters where God is responding to them all. And we find ourselves with some not very good reading, if I'm being totally honest. I'll be brilliantly, as I mentioned, read the Lord's Prayer between the kind of, uh, in the middle of the praise and worship. And we said as a preaching team, wouldn't it be good if each message, we read the sort of prayer, because each of these messages in this series are going to be from different prayers in the Bible. Wouldn't it be good if, you know, the person, we had the reading in the middle of the praise and worship. I'm like thumbing my way through Job, just trying to find something. I'm like, we cannot read most of this in the middle of praise and worship. I'll give you an example. Job chapter 30, verse 20 says this. I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look. You have become cruel towards me. You use your power to persecute me. You throw me into the whirlwind and destroy me in the storm and I know that you are sending me to my death. Come on church, let's raise our hands and worship. Not even Sarah, with all of the energy that she has, I think that would be a struggle to lift us up in that moment. And so I'm like making my way through, I'm like literally trudging my way through Job, just trying to find something. But I'm telling you what, nestled between the angst and the pain and all of that, we start to see a different dimension to a prayer life happen. Job 42, this is the end of the story. This is where it ends. Job 42, 10. After Job had prayed, God restored his fortune and then doubled it. All his brothers and sisters and friends came to the house and they all celebrated Verse 12 says this, God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier life. The scholars say that this tragedy happened when he was 70. 
In verse 16, it says, Job lived another 140 years, living to see his children and grandchildren, four generations of them. And then he died, an old man full of life. Job 42.10 versus Job 1, when everything goes wrong. It's the bit in between that we're talking about. What do you do when Job 42's not yet happened? We know as the reader of the story that it's coming. And so we can be like, come on, Job, pull your socks up. Come on, mate, where's your faith? But as his friends illustrated, it's like, what do you do in between? If all we have for our prayer life is a prayer that just literally is after some results. I'm talking about that slot machine, Father Christmas style kind of get up in the morning, read a chapter from the Old Testament, a chapter from the New Testament, pray for the next person on the list, pull the lever, go to work. I'm talking about that flat. Look at that, no depth. Nothing to it, kind of devotional life. Imagine if that's all Job had between Job 1 and Job 42. I've got to be honest with you, I think we would never get to Job 42. It would be Job 1 and then Job 2, Job gave up. And Job ended his life or said, you might as well take me now, God. Like, what is the point? But we only get to Job 42 because this was not a guy that just prayed for results. There was something more to his prayer life. And that's what I want us to explore for the next five or 10 minutes. You see, how do you pray between everything going wrong and not yet everything going right, it requires the prayer of faith. Hebrews 11 verse one tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You think a a good faith time in your life is when everything's going well? (coughs) Not according to Hebrews 11.1, it's not. According to Hebrews 11.1, faith is when you don't see it. Faith is when you don't see it. A bit like Josh, when he was inspiring us for the offering, the faith wasn't like loads of, like wads of cash in the offering. It was when you don't see it, just a few pence. You're like looking underneath the envelope You know when you're a kid and you open a birthday card like that? Come on, you open a birthday card like that to a certain age, right? They'd have been doing that in the offering. They'd have seen the widow putting her envelope in and they'd have been like, hello? Couldn't see it. That's what faith looks like. I say inverted commas. We pray for results and our prayer life gets flat, stale, boring, frustrating, and even bitter because we don't get what we want. But if we were to add a new dimension to our devotional life and our faith life and our walk with God that wasn't just the slot machine requests kind of prayer, the sort of results-focused prayer, but actually added a few other dimensions, and you can see throughout the chapters of Job, nestled amongst the pain and the angst and all of that, there's something in Job that inspired me, and I hope it inspires you. So here's a few things that you can pray for or to 
instead of just praying for results. Sarah, come and help me because we're going to add another dimension right now. Instead of praying just for results, I'm challenging you. God is daring you even to pray to remain, to remain. Have you ever noticed how relationship can be the difference between silence and stillness? Have you ever shared a sort of slightly confined space with someone you don't know that well? Like a lift or a car journey. Oh, you jump in with us. Or a waiting room. When all of a sudden you become acutely aware of silence. Your mind is racing. You're like, think of something to say, think of something to say. You say it and you're like, not that. Don't say that. And you're just like, oh, it's so awkward and so awful. But also, the opposite end of the scale, have you ever spent time with someone and said nothing and not even really noticed it? Because relationship affords you the right to say nothing and yet it still be rich. And when heaven is silent, if all you have is I could do with a pay rise and I could, we could do with an extension on the back downstairs or I could do with, can you sort my wife out? There was a lot of elbow nudges in the first service. Some, guy, some uh, lady was telling me that she was sat three chairs away from her husband but she still felt a nudge in that moment. I'm like, wow, that's like some long elbows there. You know what I'm saying? Like if that's all we have, then silent heaven is offensive to me. But I've been married for 22 years. And Zoe and I, my wife's called Zoe, we could spend like an hour in the same room or in a car going somewhere and say nothing. And it's not awkward. I'm not even aware of it because I don't need it. Because we have a relationship that turns that silence into what perhaps another biblical word or biblical context is still. When you pray for relationship or the sort of New Testament Bible word that Jesus used is remain. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 15 verse 5 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No things can you do. Apart from me, I found Job in the middle of his carnage prayed this prayer in 42 verse 5. I had only, this is before verse 10 where it says after Job had prayed, God restored his fortune. This is pre-fortune restoration. Job said, I'd only heard you before. Now I have seen you with my own eyes. It was a next level intimacy type prayer. And there's nothing like the ambiguity and the desperation of a silent heaven to force you. God woos you further into relationship with him. So when heaven is silent, know this, it's not silent, it's just still. And I'm all right with still when I'm in the car with Zoe. And you can be all right too. Don't just pray for results, pray to remain. 
Job 42, verse 2, just a few verses earlier, it says, uh, Job says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That sounds like a prayer of praise to me. In the sort of style of worship and praise songs that we do in our church, they're very declarative. In other words, we, we sort of say out loud things we believe to be true about God because there's something about putting into words, like thoughts are like liquid, right? They sort of like loll about in your head. And, and you can't really hold them. You can't really do anything with them. But when you, you go through the discipline to put them into words, they crystallize and start to take, take shape. That's why writing stuff down is a good idea because then they start to crystallize. You can build something with that and that's why we do that. This sounds like a worship song from Audacious. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Don't just pray to remain or to request or get results, but pray in response. Pray in response. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah's doing well with this shape, isn't she? Like, she made this. The people on the front row, right? Now, hold on a sec. The people on the front row who would have had to make it if she didn't make it, they're like clapping. Woo, good job, Sarah. Keep me off the prop rotor for next week. Okay, so across the board, isn't she doing a great job? Thank you, Sarah. We're saying that in faith as it all falls about. It was really funny. In the first service, one of the R's that we're going to get to in a minute is resilience. She put the resilience one up and it went, ew, it fell down. It was so funny. Okay, so here we go. We got, we got pray to respond. Pray out of response. You know, if God did nothing else in your life from this day forward, you still have a reason to pray. Because what he did on the cross... Even that, like if you never did anything else other than that, then you still got a reason to pray, to respond. And you just have to look back over the CV or God's CV of your life, the things he's done, the miracles you've walked in, the things you've prayed for. If you don't know what to pray for because all your requests are getting ignored or in, in actual fact they're getting worse, then just respond out of what you know God has done. Get a picture of the cross, get a conviction or a revelation of who God is and pray out of that. Pray for that, pray to do that. I challenge you to write a list tomorrow of all the things you're grateful to God for. Maybe slow at first, might be like pushing a car from standing, you know what I'm saying? You're like, there must be something. Start with a cross. That might just be like get a little bit of momentum and then look back at how the cross has impacted your family or impacted your mental health or impacted your relationship. And before you know it, you'll have two things on the list and three things on the list and you're at the end of your allotted 20 minutes of prayer, you should be going to work, but you'll be jumping up and down on the spot in your front room saying, God, if you do nothing else, I will praise you. Don't just pray to respond though. What about the prayer of restoration? Where's that one, Sarah? Come and find it. Job 42.6 says, Job says these words, I take back everything I said and I sit in the dust and the ashes. Why? To show my repentance. You know, there's restoration in your, your devotional life, your prayer life. God wants to restore to you all the stuff that life has stolen from you and you can find that in prayer. God wants to restore to you the relationships and the fabric of your life. He can restore that. You know, in, in a relationship, when you feel like you've got to the absolute end, like you've, got, you've tried everything, like you've, like, you know, you've just got this, this problem. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship with your kids or someone at work or a friend. And you're just like, we've tried and we've tried and we've, we've done the therapy, but it's just not working. Well, I tell you what, pray. 
because God will restore to you that which has been stolen. And it sounds like a request. I know that. I'm being smart with the words here. But, but pray to restore. You know, you can restore even your own personal uh, standing before God. We all know, or many of us know the story of David and the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. He was the giant killer. He was the king. He was the, he was the man. But as part of his story, he made massive mistakes. And the book of Psalms, in many parts, lines up with the sort of narrative parts of one Samuel, two Samuel, that kind of time. And you can actually see the prayers in Psalms lining up with the catastrophic mistakes that David made. David was on the throne, he was king, he was cool, everything was happening. The Bible says in the time, uh, when the time came for kings to go to war, David stayed at home. Equals compromise. He saw a beautiful woman on the roof of another building across from where he lived and selfishly, you know, manufactured the circumstances that she came to, came round and they, they slept together and she got pregnant and it was like soap opera level again. And so kind of tried to cover it up and arranged for her husband who was a soldier to be at like a really fierce part of the battle and everyone withdraw. So he ended up dying. And so he kind of thought he'd covered it up and then the prophet Nathan came to him and said, I want to tell you a story, David. It's about a guy. He's a shepherd. He had one sheep. He loved that sheep. He talked to that sheep. The sheep ate meals at the table. The sheep slept on the pillow next to him. It was like his number one sheep. But then there was another guy, another shepherd. He had hundreds of sheep. He had loads of them. He couldn't move for sheep. There were sheep coming out of his ears. It was ridiculous. And he wanted a sheep for a meal. And so what he did was he took the one sheep that belonged to the guy that only had one and killed it. David's furious. He's incensed and goes, what? Who? This, is out, this is outrageous. Who is the man that did that? And David, Dave, uh, Nathan said, you are the man. And it's like punch in the stomach. David realizes, oh gosh, I'm the man. I am the man. I did it. Thinking about wives and not sheep. And then Psalm 51, David writes these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Don't just pray for requests. Don't just pray for results. Pray for restoration. You can pray for resilience. Job 17 verse 9, he says these words, the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. You're less impressed by that than I was. He's lost everything. Nothing is working. Heaven is silent. His mates are turning back on him. Everything's going wrong and he prays the righteous keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Job 19, 25, he says, but as for me, I know, even though my circumstances don't line up, even though it doesn't seem like it, even though I can't even see a light at the end of the tunnel, I know that my Redeemer, capital R, my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. 
That's Job's version of Psalm 27, 13, that you know I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The New King James Version says this, I remain confident of this. No, sorry, that's the same version. It, it, it says, I would have believed. Oh, someone find it in the message. Do me a favor. Find it in the message, okay? Psalm, Psalm 27, 13 in the message on your phone, Josh, and just hand it me. But this is Job echoing the words, or like, who knows, timing-wise, like definitely later. So he's kind of like foretelling, foretelling what David will say in Psalm 27, 13. You got it? It's a race. Who's going to win? Abby wins. No, it's not that either. Whatever it is, whatever it is, is flipping mint. It's really, really good. There's your challenge. Have a read of it. You'll, you'll see that it's good. Last one. Pray for revelation. Revelation. That's where God shows you something that was previously hidden. Not from you because God is mean, but for you because he loves you. Let me say that again. Revelation is when God shows you something that was previously hidden, not from you because he's mean, but for you because he loves you, like when we wrap up a present. Why do we hide gifts in wrapping paper? It costs more than the gift, sometimes. <laughs> Why do we do that? Because there's something special about you knowing what you've got for someone and them not knowing, and you watching them discover it. That's exactly a picture of Revelation. Pray for Revelation. Job said these words in 13, verse 15. The band can come up because we're going to pray. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Verse 16. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. That's in chapter 13. Not 42. That's in chapter 13. Something in him had a God perspective on his current reality. Our prayer is often, when will this end? Whereas what we really need is to pray, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you doing in me through this? Not when will this end? Because if you don't know what God's doing it for, you might be wanting something to end. And if you knew, you wouldn't want that. Because what you're getting even though it wasn't your request, the results that you asked for, actually, if you see your prayer in the context of the story that God is weaving in your life, future you would come back and tell you, stop asking God for this to end because what you get through this, I know we need for when we get married. I know what we need for when we have our kids. I know what you need for when you retire. I know what you need for that job or that circumstances. So don't abort it now. Pray for revelation. One last time, Sarah. Put results back, front and centre. I can't remember where it is. Come on, she's so good. Now listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. In our church, we use the language of prayer requests. You know, if you've got any prayer requests, tell them, email us, prayer at audaciouschurch.com and the team will pray for you. If you've got prayer requests, why don't you tell your small group leader and we'll stand and we'll pray. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. The Bible even tells us in Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. But how 
different is a flat, one-dimensional, like, I don't even know if that's a thing. Two-dimensional is flat, right? Like, like, how different is that? Slot machine, pray God, pull the lever, go to work, come back the next morning, gosh, that's not even come true. Well, I'll just, hope, I'll, I'll just make my next wish, I, I mean prayer, pull the lever, go to work. Imagine if there was a different dimension to your life with God. One that was full of responding to his goodness and restoring to you the joy of your salvation and that resilience that Job had that said, though he slay me, I will not. That kind of prayer life. And over the next few weeks when Pastor Lee and others are going to be speaking about the prayer of surrender and the prayer of praise and the prayer of this and the prayer of that, better to build something like out of something that's got some depth and some volume and some shape because otherwise you just put in, imagine if I had that time, I'm not going to take it off because it'll all fall down and then everyone will I feel sorry for Sarah. But if like if we had that results and we put it down and then you try and stand on it, it's like it doesn't really make any difference. Like nothing's happening here. I'm not going to stand on this either because it probably would uh, break because of my weight. But um, if you put that down and then you stand on that, now we can build on that. Come on, everyone stand to your feet because I want to pray for you. In Matthew 28, there is what the translators of of the NIV version of the Bible call the Great Commission. You know when Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Great Commission. Really, it was the birthplace of the church. These guys had observed Jesus for three years but this was the, the baton handing over moment. He said, I'm going to leave someone with you. Because they were like, what do you mean you're going? You've just come back. We lost you. And now you came back. And now you're going? What's going on here? My heart's like a roller coaster. Jesus said, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to leave someone to help you. But now it's up to you. The Great Commission. Well, in January of 2022, I would rename the Great Commission. Don't worry, I'm not taking anything out of the Bible. Like, that's what they named it. I'm going to name it the Great Dare. God is daring us as a church to have a three-dimensional, like colouring outside the lines type of prayer life. This church will be one that doesn't just pray for results. But when we have requests, God is daring you to ask. He's He's daring you to ask big. Ask for that family member or that friend who just seems like a million miles away from God and they will never respond to God. And you invite them to church a thousand times and they've always said no. And they're always da da da. And they're always God saying, I dare you to ask that in this year we'll see a breakthrough. I dare you to ask that you get out of debt. I dare you to ask. But we're not just doing it on a flat, we're actually building something. We've coloured inside the lines for too long and we look back over the years and it's like we're doing copies of the same picture. Imagine if we just rubbed all the lines out and just painted some of them. In fact, forget the brush. Just get your hands in the paint and just like, make, like let's just create something in our walk with God in 2022. And be it, be it when you're on holiday in the summer 
or you're away for your 25th wedding anniversary, or it's New Year's Eve, you are going to look back at what can only be described as a masterpiece and go, I just, I just, you're just going to you're just gonna have to glory to God. And while your nose is up against it and all you can see is that grey swirl that you're doing, it doesn't seem very inspiring, it doesn't seem very great, but you're going you're gonna to zoom out at the end of the year or wherever it is, you're going to look back and you are going to laugh, I'm prophesying now, you're going to laugh out loud. I'm talking official lol. Not like the text lol that you go, you type lol in a text when this is what you do. <laughs> lol. No, I'm talking the actual literal translation of lol, which is laugh out loud. That's what I'm prophesying. Write that in your journal. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 